Podcast, live and underway here on ESPN Plus. Alongside Hercules Gomez, I'm Sebi Salazar, coming to you on a Thursday, Thursday, April 27th. Herc, what are you wearing? It's bright. Yeah, naranja mecánica. It's a little mm-hmm. uh, homage to the Dutch back in, what is this, 70s, 80s? No, it's got to be 80s. I think, I think 80s. Late, yeah, maybe 80s. like 80s. 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 It's not 70s. I remember yeah. that 70s jersey. Back, back in your day, the 80s. You know, I'm more a child of the 90s. As we know, different generations here. You are a child. On Football Americas. I'm rocking my Baltimore Blast retro jersey. You can see it right there. Of course, Baltimore Blast taking on your Chihuahua Savage in the MASL final. I still think that's one of the most amazing names I've ever heard for a soccer team. <laughs> right, uh, right. I've played against the Baltimore Blast, by the way. Most don't know, but I played professional indoor yes. soccer with the San Diego Soccers before I yep. kind of came onto the scene in L.A. with the Galaxy. Soccers lost to Chihuahua in the uh, in the semifinal there, so, so heartbreak for Eres you. Una mufa. Uh, lots to discuss, Hercules Gomez, on today's edition of the show. Speaking of semifinals, we got the first leg in the books in the CONCACAF Champions League semis. We'll react to both of those games. We'll be talking about the Open Cup third round. Had a couple cup sets uh, to discuss. Liga Mekis is heading towards the playoffs, so lots to talk about there, including who might win the Golden Boot. And we've got some interesting comments from Don Garber on Lionel Messi and then from Chicharito on himself. We'll get to all that later in the show. But let's start with the topic, Herc, that led Monday's show, because it is now officially official. U.S. Soccer has their new sporting director. That's right. They presented Matt Crocker Tuesday as the new man in charge on the footballing side. The native of Wales arrives from Southampton in the Premier League. Or is the director of football operations. He's actually held multiple roles at the club, going all the way back to 2006. He's also worked for the English FA for almost a decade in player development. Crocker going to take over full-time on August 2nd, but he'll help starting now in the search for a new men's national team manager. Here's Crocker with more on his approach to the job. First of all, I'm, I'm really honored and excited uh, to join uh, U.S. Soccer as, as sporting director. Uh, it's a tremendous opportunity, and I'm really, really looking forward to building on the great work and the foundations that have already been laid. Um, obviously, the Senior Men's World Cup um, is around the corner, um, and to have the opportunity from the beginning of the role to, uh, to lead the search for the next men's head coach is a, is a significant honour and something I'm really excited about. Um, I'm also excited about working with the whole of the the U.S. soccer ecosystem, uh, coaches, the community, uh, all the various professional leagues, etc. So um, I just can't wait to get started um, and to kick off as soon as I possibly can. All right, so there we have it. Matt Crocker installed as the new sporting director of U.S. soccer. Herc, what's your first reaction to the hire? I like the hire. Um, Now... What I've seen, heard, read from people who don't like the hire is because they look at it, I guess, ironically or ignorantly, I should say, from the lens of a U.S. men's national team fan or from that perspective. That's not what the sporting director is about. You don't just focus on the men's side. You don't just focus on the senior men's side. There's a whole landscape you have to worry about. The men's and women's full national teams and all the youth teams on both sides that come underneath. What I like about this is it. It's an experienced person that's at the helm. Now we can go back. You got Cardiff developmental coach. You got Southampton, Southampton, excuse me, academy coach. England head of the youth teams. Southampton again head of football operations. And where he's been, there's been a plan. When he was at England, they had the England DNA. That was the plan. The name of the structure, what they were going to work, what they're going to implement. And with that came about two world titles uh, on the youth men's and national team sides, the U20, U17 uh, World Cups for England. Uh, you also had, what is it, SFC playbook, Southampton FC playbook. Maybe that went awry, didn't go the way they wanted. He only lasted three years there, but there seems to be a plan. There seems to be a meticulous way of working and an outline to it. I like that he has a vast experience in all this. Um, you just can't focus on the men's side. You just can't focus through a U.S. men's national team lens. So I'll leave it at that right there. But I like this hire as a sporting director. On paper, Herc, I think it's a perfect hire. You look at it, and he really does seem to check every box. He's done it at the highest level 
in the Premier League. He's done it in the women's game, and you're not going to find a lot of Premier League sporting directors that have women's professional experience. That's important. He's done it at the youth development level. That's a massive box to check for your sporting director. And to the point that you're talking about, in his time with the English FA, between the 2010 and 2014 World Cups, the English FA overgoes their own version, Herc, of a reboot in the development space. And this guy was there for the critical part of that. And you talk about the success they had at the Youth World Cups. That success also translated to the senior national team. We saw it at the 2018 World Cup. We saw it at the last European Championships. Maybe they didn't go as deep in Qatar, but it was still, I think, a pretty successful tournament if you look at how England played. So this guy checks every box. The one box he doesn't check, Herc, is actually a box that I'd rather he not check, and that is that he's basically an outsider, right? He, he's not an American. He admits in his press conference that he's not as familiar with some things in this region. But I think it's great, because if you look at what was eventually the downfall of the last sporting director, Ernie Stewart, it's that he was too close to everybody. Right. For me, they nailed this. On paper, I don't know that he's going to work out, but on paper, I don't know that you could have done much better, Herc. I agree, Seb. On paper. Listen, we could talk here and tell you how great it seems, and he could fail. And that could be a reality. That's just part of the game. That's part of being a coach. It's part of being a sporting director. It's part of being a player. You can fail. Nothing happens. Mm. But I like that he's not part of this good old boys club. I like yeah. that you're moving away from this U.S. soccer culture that is non-existent. You can talk about the culture. You can talk about whatever you want. But on a global scale, it's non-existent. So you need fresh ideas, you need new ideas, you need a different way of thinking. And on paper, like you said, it, he ticks off so many different boxes that I'm not so sure that you could have got elsewhere. Maybe he's not the biggest name, right? But I think whatever you would get out of big name, you can accomplish that in another hire. Maybe the men's national team head coach and get just as much uh, out of the marquee that you would get out of a coach as opposed to a sporting director. I don't need a famous sporting director. I just need a good one. Yeah, now, in his... can't even name famous sporting directors, let's be honest. There you go. There you go. All right, so, uh, of course, in this press conference, he faced a lot of questions. The most important question is, what are you looking for when it comes to the permanent job in charge of the men's national team? Let's listen in to what he had to say, and then we'll get your reaction, Herc. Uh, clearly, we want to get a head coach and the right head coach um, to lead the program in place as soon as possible. Um, but what we don't want to do is to, to rush and, and make the wrong appointment. Um, and there's a, a couple of key factors that I believe are going to be really important going forward. So, um, first of all, the, the behaviours of the coach in terms of, uh, I guess, what, what I see uh, from the current team is a, uh, an aggressive, a forward-thinking, a fearless team that went to the World Cup and, and did some great stuff. And I'm really, really keen to make sure that we uh, produce a coach that can uh, replicate and continue to drive forward some of those some of those behaviors in terms of creating that aggressive forward thinking team um, secondly the style of play is going to be really important uh, clearly there's there's a, been some great foundations put in place by Greg and, and by Anthony around the style of play and we want to continue to evolve that style of play so to bring a coach in that can deliver that is is also going to be uh, fundamental to the process the third and, and for me the most important thing is around leadership we need the right leader um, we need the right uh, head coach to come in and give the players ownership and responsibility to build a really, really strong culture or to continue to develop that really, really strong culture. Clearly, there's some significant advantages around building emotional connections with the players. You know, we, we clearly want a head coach that is a, a role model and a cultural leader uh, as well and can inspire the next generation. So the legacy piece around the future is as important, if not more important, than build up uh, to the next World Cup. All right, Herc. Matt Crocker painting a picture there of what he's looking for. When you hear him describe what he's looking for, is there a candidate or two that comes to mind? I don't know about a candidate or two, but I will tell you what comes to mind. He's looking at that England versus U.S. men's national team game in the World Cup, and he's thinking, mm. okay, I can work with something here. I can do something with the style of play here. With the pool you have here, we can go from here. But he's also thinking, you can't do too much else. Like, the pool of players that you have, the player that you have, we need a coach that can really get the best out of his players because you're not going to have those superstars. You don't have superstars. You don't have world-class players. So we need somebody, somebody that in a limited amount of time can create a unit to a goal and maximize that. That's what I'm getting out of this because he talks about building emotional connections with players. He talks about a cultural leader. Sometimes average players 
Sometimes good players beat excellent players, beat more talented players with a main mentality, with an idea, uh, being a unit. I think that's what he's going for here. That's what he's trying to say here. Yeah. I mean, on the scale of guys that we've talked about, right? And even just in the last show, I think in the same breath, uh, Jeff Carlisle mentioned both Jesse Marsh and Jose Mourinho. This sounds a lot more like Jesse Marsh. To your point, it also does not sound like a Pep Guardiola or, yeah. a, or a candidate like that. This sounds a lot more like Jesse Marsh than anything else. That's, that's what I got from that soundbite particularly. I don't disagree. But he, when he says about you don't need a, a genius, I mean, the reality is you're not going to have the day-to-day -day with these players and you're going to have to... If you establish that emotional connection, if you establish that trust, that culture, know that when you have a limited amount of time, they got to come in, they got to play one certain way to get their objective. Whether that certain way is, hey, in this 90 minutes, it's try to get three points in a 1-0-1 or try to do this or try to do that. That's what they got to do. I think he's coming to terms with this is the pool that we have. We don't have these world-class players. We need a coach who can at least get them to play a certain way. Now, we know one of the candidates for that job is still... Greg Berhalter, and to that end, Matt Crocker was asked about Berhalter on Tuesday. Here's what he had to say. My biggest focus right now is not thinking about any individuals. It's about thinking about the behaviors that we need, the style of play that we want to promote going forward, the type of leader that we want to bring in, and then obviously that legacy piece that we, uh, that, that we want to instill and have the opportunity to grow into 2026. Um, it would be unprofessional of me right now to talk about individual names. I mean, Greg has done a, a fantastic job and, uh, you know, I intend to, to follow up with a number of, of candidates, um, both internally within the organization and externally, to, to begin to understand more and to, to assist my learning as well. And, uh, you know, I'll be doing that as quickly as I possibly can. Herc, what do you think about those comments about Greg Berhalter? It definitely sounds like Greg Berhalter's in the picture. Like, he's not ruling him out. That's, I think we both come to terms with that, Sebi, right? You, you get mm -hmm. that from, from Matt Crocker here. Here's what I'm thinking, though. Matt Crocker at Southampton, he only got a chance to really bring in Nathan Jones and kind of like in an emergency type of setting. Mm -hmm. Like, that was his manager, and that lasted, what, 11, 12 games, something like that? Maybe 14, if I'm not mistaken. So... I don't know if he wants to go with the coach that's already been here. He may want to put his own stamp on things. He may want to put his own fingerprint, smell on something. So I think he may veer away from that, but he definitely leaves the door open. I don't know. I do know why. I mean, you, you got to say you're looking at everybody. You got to be politically yeah. correct, right? That's what he has to do. I don't know how Greg Berhalter can possibly walk back into that door with U.S. soccer. Um, U.S. soccer being... The corporation that it is, you could say it's a nonprofit, but it's a corporation in the end. You, you have sponsors, you have money tied into it. I, I don't know how many of those sponsors will stick around, regardless of what you think of the situation or not fair or not fair. Uh, I think Matt Crocker is saying what he needs to say, but I definitely get the feeling that Matt Crocker is going to come in here and say, hey, I want to do things my way. Here's a set DNA, a set plan of what I want to do, and here's the profile of coach. And until we hear what that profile of the team, I know you could say they want to be proactive in the finals or whatever. But until you know what he's working with, I almost think it's impossible with this Greg Berhalter. Yeah. It sounds like he's going to at least talk to Greg Berhalter, which I think is a good thing because Matt Crocker has, again, acknowledged that he doesn't know everything about American soccer. Clearly he doesn't. He's a newcomer. He can learn a lot from the guy that just took this team to the World Cup. But if a new sporting director hired in a different process with a different budget comes to the same conclusion for the men's national team manager this time around, Herc, it will truly be the greatest coincidence we've ever seen. I mean, there is, there is no way, aside from all the reasons not to hire Greg Berhalter, that Matt Crocker doing an honest search should land on the same place. I mean, that's, that's just the reality of it. Listen, you can say the U.S. men's national team did a good job in the World Cup, and yes, they did. They got out of the group. They're the only CONCACAF nation to get out of the group. But if you take back if you take a step back and look at things, mm -hmm. they essentially bottled it versus Wells, tied England, and beat Iran. That was their World Cup. That's no different than any other World Cup that the U.S. Men's National has been in and done well enough in. One, one, and one. You beat Iran. You could sit here and say how difficult it was. You can sit here and say how well they played against England, and they did play well, but it's still a draw. A zero, zero draw. If you really feel that there is a future for this generation and it's better than what you saw at, la at this last World Cup, certainly it has to be better than 
a coincidence if it is Greg Warhalder. Yeah. Your best point, I think, is it's a guy who's going to want to make his own mark. You don't come from the Premier League to U.S. soccer to not put your own guy in charge of the men's national team ahead of a, of a home world we'll cup. We'll see. Speaking of a home world cup, Herc, a lot of people around Major League Soccer are paying attention to the World Cup in 2026. Maybe, come 2026, it'll be the home of Lionel Messi. That's what Don Garber is hoping for. He was talking about a potential Messi arrival in MLS and the impact that that would have. This is uh, in response to a question from CBS, but in an associated press function. I think I have that right. Quote, I think of him as someone who crosses so many barriers that he can be bigger than any athlete of any sport that has ever played here in the United States. Messi, the biggest athlete ever in the U.S., Herc. What are you telling the commission here? To get lost? No, I'm not. I'm not telling him to get lost. Listen, the moment Messi... It if and when, if it does happen, he signs with Major League Soccer. The moment he steps foot in the U.S., he's already the most recognizable athlete there is. That's a reality. He's the most recognizable athlete in the world, in the most popular game in the world. Now, say what you want about soccer, football, and how many people watch it in U.S., in English, on TV. Say what you want about that. You cannot compare Lionel Messi's global reach and the media landscape today Today, okay, as if when Pele, when Pele came to the Cosmos back then. Amazing athlete, transcended sports, absolutely. But you're talking about a different animal right now in a different setting. I mean, most people, even if they're not soccer fans, know of Messi. They know of Messi because of the video game FIFA. They know of Messi because they've seen his YouTube clips rolling around. They know of Messi because, hey, the World Cup was just here and I heard about Messi. He is a global icon, without a doubt, would be the most recognizable athlete. Now, what makes it different is he has to be an athlete that plays. And not necessarily in his prime, but plays well enough to capture that attention. Because I'm old enough to remember when David Beckham came to Major League Soccer and it changed Major League Soccer forever. When he would sell out stadiums and people had no idea about MLS, no idea about soccer, but they would go, I wanna check this out and see David Beckham. Maybe that lasted a year, maybe that lasted 18 months. But in order for it to keep going, in order for it to continue to be a success, to drive up subscriptions, to drive up advertising, to drive up interest, Lionel Messi has to perform at a somewhat <laughs> optimal level. If he does that, I've got no doubt he can do what Michael Jordan did for basketball, did for the NBA back in the 90s in Europe. He can globalize the game in a sense. That could be the same thing for MLS elsewhere. Lionel Messi could be that door opening for Major League Soccer outside of the U.S. and Canada. All right, I'm going to get into the nitty-gritty of the quote here, right? Bigger than any athlete of any sport that has ever played here in the United States. There's some pretty big names on that list that we're opening it up to, right? Okay. Especially... That last word, here in the United States. So to your point about global market, super important. But in the United States, names like Jordan, Tiger, Tyson, Ali, Pele, whatever you want to go. There are huge names that have captured American audiences. And that's, I think, worth noting here, Herc, because MLS is not going to sink or swim based on the global audience. I think MLS is going to sink or swim long term and maybe not sink or swim right maybe that's too harsh but have give me your biggest name out of those is it michael jordan in terms of penetration into the american consciousness yes michael jordan i believe was a bigger star in america than Lionel messi will be when he arrives when he arrives okay when he arrives yes. that's what you're saying yeah and and with semantics whether we want to have the, the argument of is jordan bigger than messi right like well, There's a million ways you could slice that. But the point here is that Don Garber needs somebody who's going to make American viewers watch, not just global viewers. So he has to hope that he's right and that you're right, that Messi is going to be this transformative figure to the average American oh, sports no, no. fan. Because that's I'm who Garber has, needs. I'm saying he has to perform for it to be a transformative figure. I'm just telling you he's be the most recognizable athlete the moment he gets in the States. That's, okay, that's but to, not debatable. But to have all the success that you're talking about, all the subscriptions and all that, they need him to be huge in the United States. They need a Jordan-like figure. Yeah, to say he's going to be Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan is, a, is a, I could argue Michael Jordan wasn't Jordan-like until after his post-playing career when you 
equate everything together. The Jordan, Jordan with Brett. the '90s Bulls. Well, no, listen to what I'm that saying. That was appointment television. Go back and look at those finals listen to ratings. What I'm saying. Listen to what I'm saying. Michael Jordan is bigger now, post career, than he was then. Right. Would you, do you agree with that? Sure. It's, I just think it's cultural. I don't cultural. want to derail your argument too much, but sure. No, I just think it's cultural. You got the Jordan brand. You got the... I mean, okay. I just think it's a cultural thing. I think Lionel Messi is a more recognizable athlete today. Hmm. Today. Hmm. Okay? Okay. All right. Well, then if, he, if he's that recognizable as you say, then MLS will be getting ratings like NBA... MLB, NFL soon, right? When Messi comes, correct? <laughs> I know about that. You asked me about uh, the athlete, not the ratings. That's how you measure. Because that's how you measure impact. You measure impact with by eyeballs. TV ratings. Yes. Yes. That's how you. Okay. That's how you measure who's a bigger athlete by TV ratings. No, no, no. That's how these leagues get paid, Herc. That's how they make their but money based on TV ratings. Paid. What is he saying right there? He's saying he's going to be the biggest athlete ever in the United States, and I'm saying if he is that, then they're going to be getting NFL money. That's what you're saying. <laughs> That's good me. That's what you're saying. Producer Rafa wants to move it along. He's had enough. I'll be the judge of that, Rafa. Don Garber, probably not happy about our next story. He is, of course, the man who famously said, there's too much soccer on TV, and now there's potentially <laughs> more coming to the United States. UEFA President Alexander Seferin has suggested that the Champions League final, the UEFA Champions League final, could be held in the U.S., in the not-too-distant future. Here's what he had to say about it in an interview on the Men in Blazers show. A few years ago, you were toying with the idea of staging a Champions League game, a Champions League final in New York. Could we see a European team play meaningful games in America sometime in the next two decades? It's possible. We didn't. We started to discuss about that, but then, you know, one year it was World Cup, 24 is Euro, this year is Istanbul, uh, 24 is London, and 25 is Munich. And after that, uh, let's see. So that is a foreseeable possibility. It's possible. Hercules Gomez. Something, nothing, or everything. The Champions League final potentially coming to the United States. It's everything on all levels of hypocrisy. I mean, it, it, it smells of... There was a large crowd, large sector that wanted nothing to do with the Super League. But all of a sudden they're interested in watching this. Oh yeah, I watch Champions League in the States. I don't care what it means to Europeans. I don't care, I don't care that it's not from the States. Put it here. We want it here. We'll pay some money, right? How is this different than a Supercopa or a Super Cup in Saudi Arabia or, or, or anywhere else like that? Why is it that it's okay to want these things when it makes you money. What about, and I know you remember this, was it two, three years ago, maybe four years ago? It was Getafe versus Barcelona and Relevant Sports wanted to bring it to Miami and La Liga wanted to bring it to Miami. Do you remember how U.S. soccer was against that? I, I, times change. Times change? I guess times change. The bottom dollar still runs it, mm -hmm. I guess, but I don't know. This is not something I'm into. Listen. Will people watch this? Absolutely. Will yeah. they pay money for it? Absolutely. Do I think it should happen? Absolutely not. Wow. Against bringing a big event to the United States, Herc. I did not think I would uh, hear that from you. To, to your point about the, the changing winds at the Federation, JT Batson, the CEO, uh, told Pablo Maurer of The Athletic that he was, you know, the Federation kind of open to at least an exploration of the idea. Now, that's not to say that everybody's going to be on board with this, Herc, because joining you in the anti-camp, Potentially our friends at the CONCACAF headquarters. They told Felipe Cárdenas, also of The Athletic, that UEFA has told them there's no plans for it. Uh, and it sounds like they're maybe not exactly super excited about it. So um, I don't know what we're really, what we're really just, getting from this interview. I just don't want to be a hypocrite. Like, do you think it's do I don't think, think this good? is the same thing as the Super League, no. Oh, hold on. No, Super Cup. Do you think it's, I mean, when you watch a Super Cup being played in Saudi Arabia or being played wherever it's played outside of Spain, do you like that or do you think it's just a cash grab? It's cash grab. I can see why they would do it beyond the money. Take your sport to another place, make more money there, you know, the marketing. There's, there's a lot of reasons why you would do this. And I think from an American perspective, you got to love it, Herc, because last show we talked about with the Women's World Cup potentially coming in 27, five straight years of major international tournaments. That's international. We didn't really talk about club. If you add this to 
not one, but multiple reported FIFA Club World Cups that could be coming to the States. The, the United States is now going to become the home of big event soccer for the next, like, five or six years if all this comes to pass. I mean, it, it already is every summer. I mean, just add it to the list. Teams are already playing now every, like, two, three days. Listen, this is a cash grab. That's all it is. Ooh, Herc hates the cash grab. No, I just don't want to be a hypocrite. Okay. Uh, of course, in the Champions League, we find teams from La Liga, and La Liga available for you right here on ESPN+. The Andres Guardado Farewell Tour. Uh, Real Betis against Barcelona. That one's Saturday, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN Plus and ESPN Deportes. Don't miss it. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. CONCACAF Champions League semifinals. Leon Tigres facing off in the first leg. Tigres at home. Six minutes in. Mistake from Tigres. Victor Davila makes it 1-0 Leon. I mean, ridiculous strike. For a second, I thought it may have been off. No offsides. And then, look, we got a chance right here. Quinones put it back in the box. Sebastián Córdoba off the volley. Makes it 1-1 in the 45th minute. Tigres strike back. Yeah, Gignac, uh, lucky not to get in the way of that. It's a good little goal. First half stoppage time. Ball comes back across. Quinones this time on the volley. Two to one. Quinones already had an assist. Now gets himself a goal. Samir back in. Quinones off the volley. Left hand side. Rodolfo Cota can't keep it out. Game finishes 2 1. Tigres taking a lead into the second leg against Leon. Wednesday night, LAFC, Philadelphia. First leg at home. Home of the Union. This one was 0 uh, 0 late until we got a penalty from Daniel Gazdag to make it 1 0. And then LAFC, Kellen Acosta, who got called for the handball, totally redeems himself, making it 1 1 there in stoppage time. It finishes 1 1 on the East Coast. So we go back all square to the West Coast next week. All right, her first leg in the books of the four semifinalists who comes away. Feeling the best? LAFC. Easily. I mean, very entertaining game against Philly, but Philly could have put that game away a long time ago. Before that penalty kick, before I got to that play in the final minutes of the game where it's Kellen Acosta volleying it past Andre Blake. They could have been comfortably, comfortably heading into Los Angeles after a first leg and put LAFC in a hole. And LAFC, they weathered the storm. They even had a PK called against them and then got their goal, a vital away goal. A draw and an away goal going back to Los Angeles. I don't even think it's close out of the four semifinalists who feels better about this, it's LAFC. Generally, I'd agree. Generally, I'd agree. I think they probably feel pretty good about the draw. Look based how on even their things have been with these two. The one thing that I did think about LAFC where they might not be happy is Carlos Vela.
Did you see his reaction when he was subbed off in the 70th minute, 20 minutes ago? He was pissed, wasn't he? Yeah, but I've seen that reaction from Carlos Vela before. I've seen that reaction yeah. from lots of players in, in, in Major League Soccer before and Liga Mekis. He did look not happy. Mm-hmm. He only played 20 minutes during the weekend to be saved for this game, so you thought he would have finished it out. But did you see that game? Maybe Steve Carundel was thinking, I got to protect this player. Yep. He took a nasty little slide tackle from Jacob Glesnes there. Um, it's 1 1 tie with a goal or an away goal. See, Toronto, look, he's pushing the right buttons. I, I don't know how you can't feel best if you're one of these top four teams. Our LAFC can't be the best feeling of these top four teams. Well, of the four semifinalists, the only one that won is Tigres. Why didn't you pick them? Yeah. Um, 2-1 for me is a good result for Leon. They got an away goal. And they can't be pleased with how they play defensively. Mm. The big hero of that night was Nahuel Guzman, the goalkeeper for Tigres. He was massive, unbelievable. It could have been, honestly, a 4-1 scoreline for Leon. And on the offensive end, their most productive player historically in the last 10 years under the... I should just say historically in Tigres' yeah. his history is André Pierre Gignac. Uncharacteri- excuse me, uncharacteristically wasteful he was against Leon. Like, I counted maybe three, four three. good chances. Yeah, yeah. Literally good chances. Yeah. Siboldi got away with a 2-1 uh, win. He's, they're still undefeated with Siboldi, only one goal against. Um, but you have to be weary knowing you got to go back to Leon and Leon team that's very good at home. Uh, I give the edge to LAFC on who feels best right now. Yeah. The Gignac finishing was shocking. I mean, for, to see that player miss... That amount of that good chances, you just Clean don't see looks. it. Hopefully, it was, for Tigres, it was, it was just a fluke. But if that continues, they're going to be in trouble. So who, who feels worse, then, of the four semifinalists, sir? Philly. It's, 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 I, honestly, I think it's Philly right now. Because I, I still, it's still very close to, for me for Leon and Tigres. Um, Leon's a very difficult team mm-hmm. to deal with. But if you look at how tight things have been with Philadelphia and LAFC. They even tied on points in the Supporters Shield. The last five have all been draws. MLS Cup was a 3-3 draw that went into penalty kicks. You had LAFC. You had them there in your place, in your home. You could have put them away, and you didn't. And if you don't put a team like LAFC away, if you don't put a team that has that many playmakers, who feels good about themselves, who's still undefeated in MLS play, who has a very deep team, if you don't put them away when you have the chance, that could be it. They had the chance. They didn't put him away. Yeah. I'm with you. It's definitely Philly. And this is not just me projecting because my $100 bet that Philly's going to get through to the final doesn't look so good. I mean, you get a penalty that late in the game, 10 minutes to go, you're up at home. And not only to blow the lead, Herc, but the way that they did it, it's a mistake out of the back that LAFC capitalizes on, man. And this is not just me saying I'm disappointed. But you could see it on the, on the faces of the Philly players. I don't know if you being a player, if you picked up on that in the aftermath of that game, especially the face of Andre Blake. They showed him in, in the aftermath on the broadcast. I thought I saw a team that knew, to your point, that they let one get away. Absolutely. And minutes before the goal from Kellen Acosta, there was a massive Andre Blake save on Boanga. Like, you, you got mm-hmm. away with one there, and then you let that happen to, to what you said, uh, trying to play out of the back and getting picked off like that. All right, so there we have it. LAFC and Philly going back to the West Coast, even at one in the CONCACAF Champions League semifinals. Let's turn our attention to Mexican soccer, where Chicharito is making news. That's right, uh, Javier Hernandez. And three's all-time leading scorer, very infamously left off the last World Cup team by Tata Martino. Now, he's got a new manager. Chicharito wants back in. And to that end, he did an interview this week with Ruben Rodriguez of Fox Sports down in Mexico. Long story short, we can't play you the interview, unfortunately. Uh, But we picked out some of Chicharito's most interesting quotes from what was labeled an explosive tell-all. And we've translated these, by the way. Quote, if people thought I lost interest in playing for the Mexican national team, it was a lie. The problem is that there is something deep down that has to be protected, that I have to protect, and the price I had to pay was not going to the World Cup. That price was totally worth it. Gerardo Martino was not the only one responsible for me not going to the World Cup. Chicharito continues. I made a mistake with the national team. There's something I can't talk about because I will throw somebody under the bus. I knew these two years were priced to pay for my decision for a teammate. Some players have done much worse and the punishment has been 
much more lenient than mine. I got the short end of the stick. Herc, lots to unpack here. What do you make of Chicharito's big interview? Yeah, I, it, it's... Man, I almost wish the, the audience could see the interview, uh, that still shot, those were his facial expressions. He was very expressive. He, he seemed a bit desperate, and, and not in a negative way. Let me see what I'm saying, desperate. Like, I got out of this, like, Chicharito Hernandez is finally trying to talk to clear his name. He's finally tired with all the reports, with all the rumors circling around. He wants to clear his name in an attempt that I could only assume is to get back on the Mexican national team. Like, that's his ultimate goal. He wants to get back on the Mexican national team, but in doing so, in saying, I made a mistake, and owning up to it, he makes excuses for the mistake, and then it doesn't really tell us what the mistake is or who it impacts. And then leaving the door open of saying, I can't speak about this because it will compromise somebody else, a teammate. Right. Leaving that door open, he violates one of the most sacred codes, which is the locker room. And he leaves everybody exposed to the possibility of who could be. It's, it's unfortunate that we still didn't get the answers we were looking for. I'm happy he is speaking out. I'm happy he's getting things off of his chest. But if you saw the interview, if you saw how emotional he was, the expressions, it looked like a desperate man trying to regain what he once had, the Mexican national team. What I took from this is specifically kind of his identifying Yon de Luisa as his personal bad guy. That effectively, the ban from the national team is not just down to Tata Martino, but it's Yon de Luisa's, as Chicharito effectively puts it, overreaction to a very bad international window in September of 2019 for the Mexican national team. That includes some incident of indiscipline around the game against the U.S. in New Jersey, and then the 4-0 loss to Argentina later in the same window. So after all that happens, Chicharito effectively tells us that he's the scapegoat. But as you said, Herc, almost at every turn, he finds an excuse. This is not if you were hoping for a, a mia culpa, a holding up of the hands. This is not that from Chicharito. And I love Chicharito. I want him back with the national team. I think he has a role well into the future with his squad, especially if he can keep scoring in MLS. I don't see any reason why he should stop scoring. But the bottom line is, Herc, he has not been honest with us. If this was his attempt to tell everybody in Mexican football or at the Federation that he's changed, that he's learned his lesson, that's not what I come away with from this interview. Not at all. Well, he's also not wrong. I mean, you could have your personal opinions of what he says here, but he's also not wrong. He mentions that others have done worse. That's true. That's what aboutism, Herc. That's what aboutism. That's not taking responsibility. Let me finish. Let me finish. Especially when he won't even tell us what he did. I will tell you what, the, what he's alluding to, okay? But he's saying others have done worse, and he's right. Through the history of the Mexican national team, there yeah. have been much worse things than what had happened. But they chose the all-time leading goal scorer of the Mexican national team to make a point. And he doesn't understand why. One of the reports, a breach in protocol, that he entered a person into the team hotel, and he used a team or a Federation employee to do so, that Federation employee got fired, okay? Uh, that was one of those. Another one, and he mentions it in the interview, there was negotiations for a bonus structure on the Mexican national team that was non-existent. For those of you who don't know, the Mexican national team, they get $2,000 straight off, just like that, for every game they play. When they do marketing, they don't get marketing dollars. Right. For, for example, the, do you believe do you believe example, that Yon de Luisa really banned him, or do you believe that it was a Tata Martino sporting? Decision? No, I believe it's Yon de Luisa. I believe yeah, this is what I'm getting at. Okay? You think Tata Martino wanted to bring Chicharito in for two years and didn't do it because Yon de Luisa told him to? That's what you think? So you're trying to tell me they couldn't score goals, and they, but no, I think Tata Martino's stubborn and didn't want Chicharito for whatever reasons he has. This Not because Yon de Luisa was this telling. This isn't him. my opinion. This is just what's being reported, and when now Chicharito's saying it also happened. So if you play, for example, let me give you a brief, very quick thing, okay? If you play, for example, for the U.S. men's national team against the top 10 opponents, a World Cup qualifier against Cuba, if you want, or the Mexican national team, you're going to make $18,000 for playing, okay, if you win, okay? Mm -hmm. If you just play and tie, $8,000. If you just lose, it's like $4,600, something like that. And if you do marketing stuff, it's ridiculous. The Mexican national team across the board is $2,000, okay? Chicharito Hernandez knew this. 
He was making phone calls. He was trying to he was trying to negotiate on behalf of these players. And John De Luisa, the Federation, those uh, figures, those people of Lompance, did not take kindly to it. It was one of the many factors that led to the blacklist. Because you can't tell me off of everything that you know, off of everything that you know, that it was something worth blacklisting. They made an example of him. And it lasted two years. I don't know, man. He just contradicts himself at every turn. He says, you know, it's a lie that he didn't want to be with the national team, but then there's some truth to the lie because he wanted to be with his kids. It's, it's, it's very hard to take Chicharito at his word. And the point that you make that's most important is people got to watch this video because you see a guy that is all over the place. You use the word desperate. I would use manic. I mean, that's, that's kind of how he comes across to me in, in this interview. And it's long. It's like 40, 50 minutes. So uh, get yourself some popcorn and enjoy Chicharito with Ruben Rodriguez of Fox Sports. Let's uh, continue with Liga Mekis. Uh, before we get to Liga Mekis, uh, one of Chicharito's former teams, Real Madrid, taking on Almeria Saturday at 12.15 p.m. Eastern Time. That game available for you right here on ESPN Plus as well as on ESPN Deportes. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Now to Liga Mekis, where the postseason looms. Here's a look at the top six. Of course, the top four get a bye into the quarterfinals. Rayados already clinched the top seed. América and Chivas, even on 31 points. Toluca, fourth. Uh, Pachuca and León, they can still join the party with one match to go. As we see there, though, Chivas and América are even on points. Who do you think is more likely to miss out on the top four? Uh, out of those two, mm-hmm. um, I'd say it's America. Now, the reason is Chivas playing against the worst team in the league in Mazatlan. They're playing yes. at home. Yes. I, I mean, America and Chivas are tied on points, and, and the way that Chivas is playing right now against the possible worst team, who's playing for nothing, by the way. Mm-hmm. The absolutely worst team in the league is playing for nothing. And America is playing against Juarez, who mathematically... <laughs> Listen to this. Listen to this. I'll give you a few examples. <laughs> mathematically, may have you something to it. say in the top 12 and repechaje and also... Stretching mathematically. No, no. <laughs> listen to this. Listen to this. And also, if they win and they get three points, they don't yeah. have to pay a fine. So they're already being incentivized mm-hmm. by their mm-hmm. ownership to not pay millions of dollars in this fine because there is no relegation now. They pay a fine. So there's an incentive for them as well to try to win. They are playing for something. Mazatlan's already getting fined. Mazatlan's already paying that money. They're the worst team in the league with nothing to play for. They're looking, they're looking for vacation. So because the opponent is harder and still has something to play for, I would say Juarez. Right. Whether, whether Bravos are motivated or not, they're still bad. They're 16th for a reason. They've won three of 16 Who's all worse? season. So I don't think Club America should be that worried. I love how I get labeled as the biased one here, being being pro-America. And anytime I watch Herc, it's anti-America. Not just in English, by the way. On Ahora Nunca as well. Well, yesterday, you couldn't even accept the fact that America had, had a better season than Chivas. How you wouldn't you even accept a better the truth. season than Chivas. Chivas is perennial ninth place, and now they're looking at top four finish. America was in a better position last season than they are right now. How can you say that? Look who does more with less. What happened when they met this season? What does that mean? You're not talking about who played and who won. <laughs> Who's had a better season? They're even on points. Exactly. So I can look at I look at I can look at who what happened when they played. Not only not only did did America win, they blew them out. America's lost once. Chivas lost three times, so man. America's season has been made because they beat Chivas, is what you're telling me. All right. Who do you think goes further in Ligia? 
Who do I think goes further in Liga? Yeah, América That's a Chivas. different question. All right, I'm asking you. Who do you think goes further since you're, since you're so anti-América here? Listen. I say think, it. Say it. Say it's Chivas. No, because that, that's not even ah, a relevant because question. Because I think Tigres goes further than Chivas, but they're not in the top four. So it doesn't matter. Who had a better season? Right. It's Chivas. They're three right. points so you away. you have less they're faith in Chivas, but you think that they're more likely to win this weekend than America against Bravo. It's a historic season for Chivas. Okay? <laughs> Velko Panovic right now has more right. points than when, when, when Matias Almeida had when they won. When they won the championship, think about that. Has that has more to do with the recent expectations of Chivas than the actual form this year. Sebi, if you're Sebi, so confident in Chivas, Alexis, tell me they're going to go further Alexis than America Vega, and Liga. Alexis Vega missed nine games. Alexis Vega, the, the boatloads of goals season. that he scores every season. The five goals He's that he scores player. every season. I mean, Victor Guzman came along, but it's still Alexis Vega's right. the idol that they have. All right, uh, Herc, what about the golden boot race? Because that's coming down to the wire as well in Liga MX. Club America's Henry Martin right now uh, at the top of the goal-scoring chart with 14 goals. Uh, Julian Quinones with 12. We got Funes Mori on there as well with nine. You, you seem nervous about America against Bravo, so what do you think? Is, is Henry going to blow the golden boot this weekend too? Well, I didn't say I was nervous against America's Bravos. You did. You did. You're the one who sounded nervous. I'm telling you, out of Bravos giving America problems or Mazatlan giving Chivas problems, what do you think is more likely to happen? Do you agree that it's Bravos giving America problems? You're, you're just basically telling me that Mazatlan is much worse than Bravos. That, but that's, that was my whole And I think argument. America is much better than Chivas. There you go. Okay, so, so, Henry Martin, is he going to win the Golden Boot or not? I mean, he's two goals right now ahead. Mm -hmm. So you would bet your money on it, right? And he's got, in the last five games, four goals. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. Julian Quinones is at 12 goals, two goals behind. He's got eight goals in the last five games. Eight goals in the last five games. Now, when you look at the numbers, okay, Julian Quinones versus San Luis, he's played in five games against them. Okay, they're going to play against San Luis this weekend. He's only scored two goals. Henry has only scored three goals in eight games against Juarez. So this really is a toss-up. I give it to Henry because he's got a two-goal cushion. That's a lot. That is a lot. But I've seen crazy things happen. Final match day. I've been there myself. Mm. I was goal-scoring lead in Liga Mex 2010, and I had to watch Jackson Martinez on a one leg tear Atlas apart and come up this short. Anything can happen. Last week, our match day, I've seen it myself, but I give it to Henry because he's, it's a two-goal cushion. That's a lot. Yeah, Quinones basically needs a hat-trick, you know, right? I mean, even if, even if Henry Martin only gets one, a hat-trick would tie you. Uh, it's tough to see. I was looking up the odds. I wanted to see what the odds were for a Quinones hat-trick. I couldn't find it, but his anytime goal score is plus 200. And that, Herc, seems like a very good deal for a guy who's chasing a golden boot against... Eight goals the last five games, Seb. He's insane right now. Right? Finding values for you everywhere here on Football Nine America. and six if you count Philly. Uh, Club America Juarez available for you right here on ESPN+. Plus. That's right, tomorrow night, 11 p.m. Eastern time. We don't get America very often, but we do here against Juarez. Also available on ESPN Deportes. That one, an 8 o'clock start out on the West Coast. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. 
And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Former America man Raul Jimenez in the headlines again. Actually, because of something his wife tweeted earlier this week. Here it is. Quote, loyalty? Being loyal is breaking your head and still being at the foot of the... I think what she means here is cannon, as in battle, uh, not canyon, as she wrote. Wolves manager Julian Lopetegui had recently said that Raul had, quote, shown loyalty to the club. So this apparently in response to that. And again, this comes in the aftermath of Raul being left off the team sheet for Wolves on Tuesday, a 2-0 win over Crystal Palace. That's now four straight games where he's not in the squad at all for Wolves last played on March 8th. Herc, what do you make of the shots fired here at Lopetegui from the Raul Jimenez camp? It's unfortunate because, trust me, no family member, no spouse should ever go on social media to try to help Mm -hmm. their significant other or family member. You're doing the exact opposite. Uh, And so, Julian Lopetegui was actually asked about this. I mean, this is per The Athletic. I mean, when he's asked about Jimenez's partner... He says, he's shown a loyalty to the club for his job because he's the kind of person that shows that he wants to be here every day. He goes on, it's, it's, it's not about that. It's about maybe the coach choosing one option because for different reasons, he's not in the best way. He then goes on to talk about his physical aspect. He's still carrying knocks. So he's having to explain himself, not because Raul Jimenez said he was upset, not because Raul Jimenez voiced his opinion to the press or to Julian Lopetegui, because his wife expressed that. That's the worst thing here. Nothing positive comes out of this. Everybody, everybody, every footballer has a bad moment, and we go home and we tell our wives, we go home, we tell our girlfriends, we go home, we tell our family members, but you cannot allow this to seep over and become public information. Yeah, there's not a campaign against Raul Jimenez either. Like, Wolves are desperate for goals. The win against Crystal Palace gets them a little bit safer from relegation. This team was so desperate they brought in Diego Cosa. If if Raul Jimenez could help them, Herc, they would use him. It's clear that it's a player that just isn't fit for the Premier League level. And we saw, frankly, at the World Cup, he's just not fit for that level either. I don't want to continue to beat a dead horse, right? At this point, if Raul Jimenez is not in a match day squad, forget about a lineup, forget about the score sheet. If he's not in a match day squad, he's effectively irrelevant. You know, for the purposes of He was show. on the bench. I mean, it's five straight games he doesn't play. Four of those, not even in the match day roster. He's got to make a move. He's 31 years of age. There's still time on his side, per se, to keep playing. At what level, that remains to be seen, Seth. But there's a clear before and after with Raul Jimenez. And everybody knows the why. Everybody yep. knows where that marker is. It's that incident in November 2020 with David Luis. You can say it. Está bien. No pasa nada. Nothing happens. He needs to find different scenery. Yeah. One thing that's definitely for sure, his future not at Wolves. Tuesday in La Liga, we had a massive performance, Herc, from one MLS export. Tati Castellanos had himself a night against Real Madrid. The ex-New York City man scored not once, not twice, not three times, but four times, Herc, as Girona won 4-2. Yeah, thank you for that, uh, Militao. Uh, yeah. Militao was just uh, lost. You played against night. Real Madrid. Did you ever score against him? Uh, did I score against Real Madrid? No. We played mm. Real Madrid off the park, though, in Las Vegas when I was a Santos. There it is. Um, uh, came close to scoring on Iker, though. You can look up the footage. But Tati Castellanos, what are you going to say? I mean, it's ridiculous banner day for Tati Castellanos. Actually, what? He's the only player on earth not born in Spain to score, what was it, a hat trick? Incredible. Historic day. Now, uh, 11 poker. goals and 29 to appearances. To score four goals against Real Madrid. Uh, so far this season. What do you think? Something, nothing, or everything? The, the four-goal explosion for Tati Castellanos. 
from an MLS perspective? It's everything across the board. Listen, most players dream about scoring a goal against Real Madrid or a goal at an international level like La Liga. He scored four. Um, and it's not luck. You can maybe say like this one, it comes off a throw-in. That one came off a throw-in and it's a Militao mistake. That was his second of the night. You could say like maybe it's a tap in, something like that. Like that can happen to a player, right place, right time. But four times against the European champions for a player who's 24 years of age right now who what? A year ago was playing in Major League Soccer? Who, who a year ago this time was playing CONCACAF Champions League in Los Angeles because his team doesn't have a stadium that's approved by CONCACAF? Think about how far, the trajectory, how far you went. He goes up to 11 goals in the season and how quickly... Your life can change. Last week, last week, he missed a sitter versus Barcelona and effectively shut down his social media because of the backlash he received. The next week, he scores four goals against Real Madrid and his price tag surely skyrockets. And maybe he's not even going to be at Girona next season because bigger and better are going to come knocking. This is, this is everything... Any way you want to slice it on an individual level uh, for New York City and Major League Soccer, uh, for, for whatever you want to say here, it is everything. Yeah. He's definitely proved he's ready for that next big move, right? You drop four on Real Madrid. If you don't get their attention, you're going to get some big clubs' attention. It's definitely good for MLS from the export. It's going to drive his, you know, not just stock up in case there's a resale and whatever trickles back to New York City. But guys like Diago Almada will surely be you know, helped by his successes. And I think probably even more it matters, Herc, in terms of MLS importing their next guys, right? Because he shows up at 19, 20 years old. Not a lot of people knew a whole lot about Tati Castellanos. And here we are, he's 24 years old, and he's dropping four goals against Real Madrid. If you're a kid in South America, you look at that, and you can look at a few examples not MLS, and that's, that's pretty good. That's a pretty efficient way to get from your teenage years to the top of world football, playing against the very best that there is in Real Madrid. The so crazy good for thing is, when he started in New York, he was playing as a winger. <laughs> goals will get you higher and higher up the field. Uh, speaking of goals, Kyle Lahren has them, and he has them in bunches. Uh, now playing with Valladolid in La Liga. Scored for the Spanish side. Unfortunately, came in a 2-1 loss to Yunus Musa's Valencia. Yeah, but that being that Kyle Lahren's not doing his thing. Six La Liga goal in 12 games. He's now the Valladolid leader in goals scored. He's only been there for 12 games. Ridiculous goal, but you're right. Valencia needed this. Moves him up to, I believe, 15th in the table. They're only two points away from the bottom three in relegation, so absolutely must for Eunice and Valencia. To the Open Cup, round three. Here comes the MLS teams. We're going to start Tuesday. Oh, Monterey no. Bay against San Jose. It's a cup set oh, for no. the fighting Frank Yallops. Oh, no. Well, with that, with that kind of defending, just gifting. Watch this. Lift your leg up, son. Oh, no. I'll take advantage of that. Good little finish here. Monterey Bay pulling the cup set. Uh, what happened to John Fisher's team that hurt? <laughs> San Jose, what do you want me to say? Too soon? Too soon? Shout out to our... Uh, Good friends from the Bay. Little derby there, a stadium separated by about an hour. St. Louis, big winners over Union Omaha. And big crowd, over 22,000 in attendance, Herc. A record for the third round of the Open Cup. Seems to be a trend in St. Louis. They're putting up ridiculous numbers. Shout out to them. Getting a big win over last year's Cinderella story in Union Omaha. A couple Cinderella stories. We love Sacramento Republic as well, but Union Omaha, the true Cinderella of the 2022 U.S. Open Cup. Miami Derby, Miami FC. They were up late, one nothing. 89th minute, Inter Miami, the late equalizer, Herc. Oh, oh, come on, you were so close. Hold, hold. They go to penalties. And Inter Miami win in a shootout, advancing. Oh, don't, don't, don't do that. Come on. Past their city neighbors. You can't celebrate like that if you just beat a USL team on penalty kicks. Speaking of city neighbors, Chicago Derby. Uh, this one wasn't as close. Chicago Fire three, Chicago House of the Midwest Premier League zero. Well, good for Chicago. They needed that one. <laughs> I see what you did there. Uh, shout out to Chicago House. Love it, love it when the teams from the true lower leagues make it this deep in the tournament and get their shot yeah, at Yeah, but let them host. Let them host. Amen. Amen. All right, so that was 
a good game for Chicago Fire, but the game of the round, Herc, undoubtedly, your Seattle Sounders <laughs> and San Diego Loyal. Joe Corona gets things going late for San Diego. They're on the comeback. Then uh, Kyle Adams there in stoppage time gets us to 3-3. We go to extra time. It was just madness, this game. Back and forth they went. Oh, my goodness. Back and forth. Golazos everywhere. Look at that. Again, San Diego Loyal. Look at that. And then now oh, it's Freddie Montero from the spot. You gone. 5-4 the final. Seattle over San Diego. One last cup set for you. It's Memphis. 2-1 over Atlanta. Memphis getting it done in come-from-behind fashion hurt. Congrats to Tim Howard's Memphis. Uh, but Atlanta... My goodness. Seriously? The worst thing is Gonzalo Pineda saying, like, they didn't come out to play tonight. Well, what'd you come out for? What'd you come out for? What'd you think was going to happen? Shout out to our guy, Bill Hamid, who has a long history of owning Atlanta United. And the win there with Memphis. All right, Herc, round three in the books for the U.S. Open Cup. Herc, what's your big takeaway? I got to do my yearly rant on this. Every year, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. Just take it seriously. If you're a Major League Soccer club, take it seriously. It's seven games. Seven games to win a trophy. A trophy which, by the way, gives you a berth in the CONCACAF Champions League. There are teams who won't win MLS Cup. There are teams who won't even get close to winning MLS Club. It's 34 games. Regular season games plus playoffs. By the way, they just expanded the playoff field to get to MLS Cup. And you just don't think seven games to win a trophy are worth it? And by the way, they only give you 300 k for winning MLS Cup. They give you the same amount for winning the U.S. Open Cup. Play the damn tournament. Take it seriously. It's a trophy. Every year I say the same thing. Did you see Orlando, by the way? They got to play against Tigres. Do you know how they got to the CONCACAF Champions League? Does anybody know? Can anybody tell me? Guess what? They took seven games seriously. They won. They represented because of the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup. Just do it. It's that easy. Take it seriously. Just take it seriously. Herc, I hear you. And there's a couple teams that I think you could obviously point to. San Jose and Atlanta. Is there Anybody else you felt didn't take it seriously? Because if I look at the record, MLS versus USL in this round, 14-2 to two in favor of MLS. It wasn't a banner round for USL punching up. Well, they still won. There's still games that they won, right? Seattle Sounders, here's where I give Seattle credit. A lot of those kids, I think it was mm -hmm. like 10 on that roster, are from the Seattle area. Now, when you are a professional club, you want it to be reflected by your city. That's the way it is around the world, like especially in the youth setup. It's a direct reflection. First team, there are players who have a connection. I will give them that. Seattle did, I mean, it was a crazy game. Mm -hmm. I, I was watching it on YouTube. I even got in the YouTube comments, which is always fun, but unbelievable game. But you have to take it seriously at all levels. Yeah. You can't presume, and it leads me to my second spot, or my second uh, um, um, idea here. That gap is closing. Now, sure, the elite MLS player is much better than the USL player or the elite USL player. But the average Major League Soccer player to the average USL player, that gap is minimal. And I think you're starting to see that. Mm. Well, if you criticize MLS, I, we love ourselves some USL on this show, but I'm, I'm going to criticize USL here because I want some more cup sets for this tournament to be great, for it to be what it needs to be. The best of USL needs to be pulling the upsets. And actually, Herc, the best of USL went out here. Louisville, San Antonio, the Rowdies, those are, those are kind of the elite of USL. They all went out in this round. If there's something that I would like MLS teams to take more seriously, it's the marketing around some of these games. You have local derbies, and you have nobody in attendance. Our guy Tab Ramos, his Hartford Athletic, they played New England Revolution. That could be an interesting local game. There was nobody Who at markets Gillette. these games? DC United had Richmond kickers, okay? That's a game that has a ton of Open Cup history. Audi Field, empty for that game. If you're going to host the games, do an honest job marketing it and at least try to put on an atmosphere. You know I, you know. You can do whatever you want from a sporting standpoint, Seb, but the front office can't just throw their hands up and Seb, say, you know we're better, not going to try. You know better than anybody. They, MLS doesn't market these games. U.S. Soccer is supposed to market these games. That's why there is no marketing. Now, here's where... I give you all the credit in the world. We've spoken about this you many times. you got a game in your stadium. It's your job to market it. 
if you want it. And that's the problem. A lot of these, a lot of these teams don't want it. Now, if the whole thing with U.S. soccer is to grow the game, okay? Mm -hmm. Let the smaller teams, and I'm saying smaller because there's second tier and USL and so on, and let them host. If you play against, if you're a major league soccer team, don't expect to host a game. Don't expect to host a game. That's how you increase your footprint if you're U.S. soccer. That's how you grow the game in these smaller markets. That's how you get better atmospheres. Let them host always. Until that happens, you're going to see, right. and then when I say take it seriously, that means front office as well. You're going to see D.C. United not taking it seriously. You're going to see whatever the case may be out, you know, wherever the game is, Chicago not take it seriously. That's what's going to happen. Let these, let these teams host. The Open Cup deserves more. At all levels, from everybody. Here's some of the rest of the scores from the... Oh, no, here's the matchup uh, for the round of 32 as the uh, draw just went down there. You see, ooh, we got some good MLS USL showdowns. Let's see how the USL does in the next round of the Open Cup. He's Herc. I'm Seb. Thanks for watching this edition of Football America. We count the last 20 that you've not hit. On Monday. No, no, no. We only focus on the winners here on Football America. We'll see you back here on Monday. Texting Have a good weekend. right now.